Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Ross from Lawrence Boxing Gym in Limington, UK. Welcome to the show, Ross. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Brooke, how are you? I'm good. Very, very excited to have you here to learn more about what it is that you do over there. Before we kind of dive in to the nitty gritty of what you're doing at your fitness business, give us a little bit of background here. What was it that led to you going and opening up this boxing gym? Um, so I boxed for the club um, when I was about 18 years old, um, on and off. Went to university, went to the States, actually, when I started coaching football or soccer. Um, worked in Chicago, worked in Vancouver as well in Canada. So um, had a bit of a um, parting from the gym for some years. When I came back to the UK, uh, the gym was struggling. We'd lost a couple of coaches. Um, membership was very, very low. The council, which run, um, which owned the land, uh, were looking at taking it back over. Um, but I, I was determined to not, to not let that happen. So I gave up my, my soccer coaching, went into boxing coaching. Um, so gave up my, my, my passion, which was football coaching, gave up, um, took up boxing coaching. And we've grown our membership massively. We have multiple range of classes. And we don't just offer boxing classes as well. We have um, private businesses, private um, coaches who use it for different things and rent the space out. And now we're, we're flourishing. That's awesome. So, you know, it's kind of a journey on, you know, how you got here and kind of became the owner of this business. And you told us a little bit about the the gym, the club itself, but I guess kind of tell us more about the different services that you provide. Is this mostly group training? Is it personal training? Kind of what options do you have available for your clients? So, yeah, um, in terms of I'm the head coach at the club, I'm, I, I am a volunteer, um, but the, the club itself runs for um, a wide selection of the population. We have classes for be complete beginners. So that's something we never used to offer. It used to be a boxing club for competitive boxers. So if you wanted to box, you came to the club. If you didn't want to box, you didn't go to the club. Now the beginners class, it kind of runs as a feeder session for competitive boxers but also it's there for kids and adults who just want to give boxing a bit of a go, learn the technique, enjoy the session, but they've got no firm commitment to actually um, take part. So we've got that session. We've also got um, the box fit class, which is just a, um, a fun exercise class. Um, that's more aimed at older adults, um, men and women. None of them have ever really boxed. We've got a competitive boxers class which we have three nights a week um and then we have sparring nights we go out externally we also have aerial yoga and bungee um so that's um a, a, another coach who comes in and rents the facility um and she does that as well so we've got and, and we're continuing to grow and expand um our coaches also offer one-to-one -one sessions privately so away from the voluntary side they have their own um, myself included we have our own sort of private coaching businesses we offer one-to-ones for people um, who some of them want to learn to box some of them want to lose weight get fit um yeah okay you were that was gonna be my next question my next question was gonna be like what kind of clients are you seeing in your in your facility because i do talk to a lot of boxing gyms and we talked about this off air 
And a lot of times I talk to boxing gyms and they're like, oh yeah, like our typical client is like the person who's really looking to become competitive in boxing. And I think that those types of people, like there's few, you know, there's few of them, but there's more people that are looking to do this and, and maybe become good at it, but also feel better, look better, lose some weight, tone up, things like that. So it sounds like you you work with the general population. Is that right? It is. I'd say the majority of the people who use our facilities are um, under the age of 18 okay. um, and people who just want to give boxing a go. We we obviously have had a lot of success in growing our membership, but it is, it is a struggle, Brooke, I must say, because not as many people used to box as they used to. Um, there's partly, there's a lot of things which come into that. Um, obviously, there's so many options for kids nowadays. When I was young, you played football, um, and that was really it for me. Maybe you play cricket in the summer, but nowadays kids can do so many different activities. Um, so it's, it's a real challenge to to keep not only grow your membership, but keep the kids and keep them involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you've got uh, most of your population is under the age of 18. And so, you know, keeping the kids, I, I like to think of kids as like seasonal that it's a kind of seasonal business for us when we have a kids program or we offer um, stuff for kids yeah, right. when they're in their sports, their, their sports season, we, we are a little bit slower because they're off, you know, at football practice, at baseball, whatever it is that they play, we're slow. But then in the summer when they've got nothing to go on, we're really, really um, so it just kind of ha has a lot of seasonality to it. Um, my next question for you here is, you know, what does the membership look like? You did share with us that you run as a nonprofit, but it sounds like your members are still paying for some sort of membership or class. Yeah. So the competitive boxers, they pay, um, a, a monthly fee. It's not a lot of money. We, we operate, um, again, not for profit, but we do try and grow the bank balance because obviously we need money to invest back into the gym. So we're looking at about £30 a month for the kids, which isn't a lot of money. Um, then you have pay-as-you-go classes. Um, one of the private coaches, he runs boot camps. That's monthly subscriptions. I run what we call a gentleman's boxing class, which is quite fun. So it's older guys. Um, you typically, typically, you're looking 40 upwards. Um, they pay a monthly subscription as well. So they get um, one class on a Saturday morning, uh, an hour and a half class they pay that and they commit to the class um but then box fit classes which runs on a wednesday that's eight pounds a go you know turn up when you want you know there's no commitment to that so um yeah it is it's a range of um there's a range of offers that we we, we have depending on what you want um okay so that's kind of a, the range what would you say that your like what's your most popular option most popular option is actually the beginners class it's packed with kids absolutely packed we could have you know anywhere from 50 to 60 kids on one night over space over two sessions that's um, turn up pay you go pay as you go five pounds um and that's our probably our busiest class that people like to attend um then you have Probably the second best is our box fit class on Wednesday. Very, very popular class. That's run by one of our coaches who's been there for many years. Um, and that's, it's kind of just word of mouth in the area now. Everybody knows about the class and everyone loves that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
if you look at your memberships right now, how many active members would you say that you have? Active members, I'd say we're probably looking upwards of 100 members. Um, so obviously that's something we'd like to improve and grow on, particularly in the competitive class, because we are a boxing club. We are a competitive boxing club. That's what we're there for. Um, that's how we kind of justify ourselves. So growing that part of the, the membership is important for us. And it's also important for me as a boxing coach. I want national champions. I want kids to be involved in the sport. I know how much it does for kids. It transforms their lives. Um, so that's the part that I want to try and pull them into. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what kind of things are you doing to grow that? Um, it's simple principles, really. Uh, Brooke, really, you're looking at commitment from the coaches. You know, you can't expect the boxers to be committed unless you yourself are there all the time. You're on time. Um, you're organized. You offer a good service. And also it's about keeping things fresh, varying your sessions, being creative with your sessions. If the kids turn up or the boxers turn up and they do the same thing over and over and over again, and, you know, don't get me wrong, you, you see that a lot with any sport. Coaches don't have many ideas and they just run the same session again and again and again. Um, eventually the kids are going to lose interest or the boxers are going to lose interest. So we, we really try to um, make sure that they get a variation in their training. Okay. Um, no, I definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying. So like if you have a good service here, people are naturally going to talk about it. If we're constantly updating things, our members are going to be happy. They're going to talk. They're going to tell their friends. Their friends are going to come in. And then we mm. grow through that kind of word of mouth referral process. Yeah. Um, and in this industry, no matter what kind of gym we have, we love word of mouth because it's absolutely free. We don't have to, have to spend anything to get yeah. new clients through word of mouth. But when we look at scaling our business and predicting our growth, it's really hard because we don't know how many new faces are going to walk in every single month through word of mouth. There's no way for us to predict that. Even if we wanted to, even if we wanted to, like we wanted to run a referral program and incentivize our members to come like bring their friends, we don't know if they're actually going to. So it's a little bit tricky. Have you guys utilized like social media, any sort of advertisement in the community or anything like that to get people in? Yeah, we have. I mean, obviously we're lucky in the sense that we're voluntary. So there's no pressure on um, growing profits and things like that. So that is, we, we are blessed in that, in that sense, but we always want to grow our memberships. So we have Facebook, um, which we use. Lots of people follow us on Facebook. We try to do regular updates on um, when boxers compete. We put the results on. We tell people what we're doing, where we've been. Um, and then also we have uh, community outreach events. So local sports clubs um, sometimes run um, taster sessions, taster days. They have big fairs and fates. We've been, we've been along to those sometimes kids get a stamp on their card for every sport that they try we set up a little stool kids come along i mean they do 30 seconds on the pads that was actually massive for us um our membership at the beginners grew um, massively due to that just due to that you know because we get such a footfall through that mm, okay so, you know, kind of share, you mentioned something there is that you're like sharing stuff on social media, like when you have somebody doing a competition and, and things like that. So it's all organic, your social media, like you, you don't spend any money on your social media. Is that right? No, we don't spend any money on our social media. We don't try and force it on people. We just try and give people updates on um, what the boxes are doing, how the club's progressing, um, 
and none of it's you know sometimes we'll we'll push certain classes um, whether it's box boxer size box fit beginners um and there's obviously updates on closures and things like that but we, we don't tend to um no we don't tend to spend any money on it at all yeah so do you think that if you were able to if you were able to use social media to help you grow those memberships, because that sounds like it's something that's important to you guys right now is continuing to grow your memberships um, and get more people using the service. Is that something that you would be open to? Not me personally. Um, I don't like social media. I'm not a fan at all. I've read a lot of um, psychological research. I know the damage that it does to people as well. I, I get that it's a good marketing tool and it's good to keep for keeping in touch with people. For me, it's face-to-face -face interaction. If I want to grow memberships, I'll try and go into schools. I'll try and deliver sessions to people face-to-face, -face, talk to people, encourage them to come to our club and, and, and compete in the sport. Um, I don't think for me, social media is, is not the way I like to do things. Yeah, I mean, I love doing all the things that you just said too, cultivating relationships. I like to think of this business as a relationship building business. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so I definitely understand the desire to do those things because those are going to be the best sort of, those relationships end up being a really, really good clients. If we can cultivate a relationship with a school or cultivate a relationship with an individual, that's going to be a really solid sort of um, lead. When it comes to growing like adult population though, in 2022, the best way to do it, and it's proven, is running sort of ads on Facebook and Instagram. And that doesn't really cost you a ton of time, like scrolling on social media. Like, I don't think you have to like social media to see the value in it for growth. Um, how big are you guys looking to grow your membership? Like ideally at what point are you like, okay, we're really content with this amount of members. Um, we don't have a target essentially. Um, as we said, we're not, we're not business we're not business minded we're community minded um i personally would like to have a competitive team of 20 amateur boxers that was my target we're currently looking at about 10 so i want to double that um so that's something that we have to do we have to look at again trying to get more beginners in um and it's also conversion so the beginners class is good but then you've got the conversion of bringing them into the into the competitive class which is tough boxing is a sport which um takes a lot of commitment you're looking at three nights a week you're looking at training that not everyone's up to you know it's very very difficult um not only physically but mentally um a very challenging sport and it's a lifestyle you know with other sports you can you can eat what you want you can take time away boxing is um it's really is more of a lifestyle than other sports it takes up a lot mm -hmm. so talk to me you know it sounds like you are working with a lot of kids are you guys in the position where you would like to have more adults utilizing your service or do you kind of prefer being more of a under the age of 18 sort of after school type facility no we we really every boxing club really values um senior boxers um and that's bit that is always the big challenge when they turn to eight when they turn 18 they become adults 
you know, they get other interests, other commitments come into play. Keeping them involved in the sport is a big challenge. Post-COVID, it's been a huge challenge. I know just from one of the group chats that I'm on, which is the Southern Counties area. So you're looking at, uh, I don't know how well you know England, but the counties of Hampshire, Sussex, Surrey and Kent make up kind of the Southeast region of England. So in that region, the coaches were saying during COVID, seniors were just, you know, leaving their gyms in mass numbers um it was really difficult to keep hold of them um and that's been a that's been a big challenge it's particularly been a challenge for us we don't really have one long-term competitive boxer um who's a senior at the moment mm -hmm. do you want all of your like because i know you mentioned you've got some aerial yoga you've got a bungee class you have some kind of like boxing for fitness classes do yeah. you see that like do you believe that having a senior boxer that that you know is in your facility is that something that would help you gain new members in those programs as well or um yeah maybe i mean those programs we we, we rent the facility to those um individual trainers so the growth of the, those classes are up to them um and it's it's their desire to grow those classes the senior members the senior boxers definitely bring um more eyes on the gym just because when when you have kids that box it tends to be the mum and the dad who um you know support the kid when you get into senior boxing you you bring a whole bunch of support you know they they tend to have a lot more support the senior boxers um so that's definitely something that will help us mm -hmm. definitely um okay so next question that i have for you here i'd like to look at you know, the, the good stuff in our business, but also the challenges. Cause I think that that's, what's really relatable for other people that are going through it. So for you, when you look at your business, what would you consider to be the biggest business related bottleneck? Um, it's the reduction, the reduction in people who actually look, are boxing and want to box. Um, there was a statistic that was in the Sun newspaper. It's one of the tabloid newspapers around um, in England. Um, and the a journalist called Colin Hart wrote that in it was in 1997, um, 20 years prior to the, the, when he wrote the article, in 1977, 40,000 schoolboys were boxing in the English championships, English boxing championships. Now, schoolboys is just two age groups. So you're looking at sort of 13, 14 years of age. So that's just two ages. 20 years later in 97, when he wrote that article, it was 800. So you're looking at a more than a 40 fold decrease in the, in the participation rates. Um, why that's happened is a matter for debate. We, we talked about it um, as coaches, but that is a big, big challenge, getting kids involved in the sport um, and keeping them involved. Yeah. So, you know, since you kind of operate as a nonprofit, right, where, like, if you have your memberships, where does that, all the money that comes in through your memberships, does that go for like toward your overheads or kind of like what, what do the memberships and, and all of that go toward to help with the business side? So all of the membership goes towards uh, renting the land of the council. So we have to rent the land of the council. We have to pay the heating bills. Um, we have to pay for new equipment, which is, you know, fairly substantial. You look at boxing equipment, it's not cheap. Um, and I've always been a person who believes when you buy cheap, you buy twice. So if you buy equipment, it perishes very, very quickly. So we try to buy good equipment. 
Um, and then it also pays for things like upkeep. We've got a minibus which we bought, which we bought recently. Um, there's obviously annual upkeeps on that. Fuel is very, very expensive at the moment. And we travel a lot. You know, we travel around the country, taking our kids to competitions. Um, so there's a lot of overheads. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of overheads, and everything goes back into that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that uh, you know, in any fitness business, our overheads are generally always very, very high. Um, so, uh, you know, in our CrossFit gym, we've got really expensive rent. We have to pay for air conditioning because we're in Florida where it's like 90 degrees half of the year. And then on top of that, you know, our equipment is not cheap and CrossFit people are hard on the equipment. So we go through it. Um, and so, you know, our overheads are really, really high. What are like some of the things that you guys have done to increase, um, increase, like revenues within the business to help you cover some of those overheads? Um, We increased our membership costs. Um, Partly that was just something that we had to do with inflation. You know, we had to make sure that we were making more money. Um, It wasn't a lot. It was just an extra five pounds a month on the subscription fees. We also justified it by adding extra sessions in for the kids. Mm. Um, Then um, we also expanded and allowed more. We tried to get more coaches in to rent the the space. Like we said, aerial yoga and bungee, that was something we never offered before. One of the coaches was interested in using the gym. We were happy to accept that because that's more rent for us. That's more revenue for us. The more more people that can use our um, gym space, the better, really. Um, And then we've also just constantly tried to grow the beginners, which is a big, big source of income. You know, you're looking at potentially three, 400 pounds just for one night over, over the, over the space of two hours, um, which is a, a lot of money for us. So, um, those are the main things we're doing. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, you know, increasing your, the membership price, was that something that you felt like you would get any pushback from? Cause I hear that pretty often. Like when I'm talking to gym owners, they're afraid to raise their membership rates because they feel like their members are going to give them pushback. Did you experience any of that? None of that. And also I think you've, you've got to be careful not to undervalue yourself. You know, when you constantly try and keep prices down, um, sometimes you can undervalue your own service. Um, I think being honest with the, you know, the price, knowing the quality of service that you offer and pricing it accordingly um, is definitely um, important. We didn't we didn't receive any pushback from it um, and we were perfectly capable of defending that decision if we did. Um, because you know we obviously we obviously offer a service and the, the parents who um, when we are when we increase that price they know the commitment that we have for their kids um how far we travel how much time we give up for them um so an extra five pounds a month it would have been i think scandalous for people to to question five pounds a month um you know after all that we do mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always tell people that too, you know, if we're going to increase, if we're going to increase our prices, I think generally the only people that are like really worried about it is the owner of the business themselves, because if our service is really awesome, people are naturally going to like pay whatever it takes to utilize that service. It's expensive, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. people are willing to pay it. Yeah. And most people too, like 
they're so convicted in the service that you provide and knowing that it's something that they want to do. If you raise your prices, they're not even going to think twice about it. And people understand at the end of the day that this is a business and you have to operate it as such um, if you want to be able to keep your doors open. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, last question I have for you. Talk to me about your goals for this business. You know, where do you see um, this going? Uh, my main goals are to um, develop national champions. We've we've been around since 1928, our boxing club. Um, so we've our centenary years coming up in four years. It'll be a hundred years of serving our local community, um, and we've had we've we've got a great history as a club. We've produced champions before. Um, we've only just got going again, really. Like I said, it's taken a few years to to get us back to the level that we we want to be at. But we had a boy this year who got to the national finals. Um, he didn't win it, but he got to the national semi-finals, and it was a great occasion. We felt like we were back in where we where we belonged, and that's what we want to do. We want to have and and uh, all different age groups, so schoolboys champions, junior champions, so that's 15, 16 year olds, and then you're looking at youth and seniors as well. So we want at every level and every age group, we want to develop national champions. We want to be winners. Mm -hmm. So just kind of continuing to make a stand in the boxing community within your area. Absolutely. Uh, huge goal. So um, last but not least here, I want to give you a chance to share your website or if you do have a Facebook or Instagram, where can our listeners go to follow along and you know watch the gym as it continues to grow and thrive? Yeah, so the, our Facebook page is Lawrence Boxing Club. We've got a lot of um, followers on there already. Um, so you can just go in and follow us on there and see the updates of all of our boxers who are competing. Um, that's the only place we really have anything. We don't have Instagram or anything like that. So that's where we, we reach out to people from there. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it greatly. And thank you for spending some time with us today talking about your fitness business. Before we kind of head out here, I want to let our listeners know if you guys want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like, hit subscribe. If you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords Podcast, fill out the link in the description. We will get in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Boards Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah, and joining us on the show is Carl Prince from Target Fit out of London, England. Welcome to the show, Carl. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you on. Um, but before we dive into how you run Target Fit, first, tell us about what made you want to start the gym in the first place. Uh, it was um, a combination of a few things, really. I think... Um, uh, I've always been into health and fitness and I was from like a sporting background, um, literally from a young age and then did the, you know, went to college, went to university, did the usual kind of standard thing of coming out of uni and not really knowing what I wanted to do in life and um, 
Uh, but all through college and uni, I was already working in gyms. I was playing sort of semi-professional football at the time as well. So living at home with my folks, so life was pretty good, but still kind of what I want to do. And then um, about a year or so after university, I've kind of, and, and, and someone suggested to me actually, you know, if you thought about being a personal trainer. And at that point, this is back in like, probably like 2005, I think when I first started calling, there actually wasn't many personal trainers around. Mm-hmm. Um, I live sort of in Greater London, just outside of Central, and there was only really PTs in Central. There wasn't really anything happening outside. So I didn't, there wasn't really anyone I could ask who's personal training even a viable job, you know, is it is enjoyable or not. So um, kind of took the plunge with it, um, signed up to, uh, to do a qualification, loved doing the qualification, instantly thought, now this is for me. Um, qualified as a PT, did two years in central London, working for sort of commercial gyms amongst some really, really good personal trainers who were kind of from all around the world, so I was working in the West End. Got experience, um, but always all through even college and uni and, and the time out of uni and, and uh, when I was doing my qualification, I kind of always knew I wanted to be self-employed. So almost before I knew I wanted to be a personal trainer, I knew I wanted to be a self-employed person. And um, and so started to kind of market myself uh, locally outside of central London, but built up a client base that way. Um, got myself to a point where I maxed out my hours, um, started to bring some other PTs in. And by that point, it was starting to expand out of central London. So in that, in that respect, the timing was quite good. And um, yeah, brought some other PTs in that I knew to uh, sort of take a percentage of, 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 of sessions um, from clients that I was giving them. And then kind of thought, well, I've, you know, I've maxed out my hours and I've got this small sort of kind of group of guys and, and girls around me that, that were good. So let's try and house them all in one place. So had a look at, um, uh, you know, a, a unit on a high road, took the unit, turned it into a gym, which I still have now. And, um, and yeah, and that was, that was basically it. That's awesome. Yeah, I like how you have a strong entrepreneurial spirit too. I talk to a lot of gym owners who are strictly like personal trainers and they love fitness and aren't so sure about the business side, but I appreciate that you have both and you have that um, entrepreneurial spirit as well. Um, But give the listeners kind of like the elevator pitch for Target Fit. How do you explain the gym to someone who's never been in before? So we run two types of of, gyms. service as it were so we very much try and pitch ourselves as a fitness service um as opposed to a gym and i think as 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 personal training gyms it's really that's kind of quite critical but it's also quite tricky um because quite often someone will look at the price that we charge so essentially we, we do like small group training which we run as a membership and then we have what the traditional one-to-one training and um and both are obviously you know we would argue they're very good value for money because um, it's an investment in yourself, et cetera. Uh, but obviously from, from someone who's outside that industry, if you're looking purely at price and then and you look at like a normal kind of gym down the road that's just providing the facility, obviously we're going to be like three or four times more expensive than that as a monthly, whether you're taking one to one or small group. So uh, it, what we're really keen to do is, is always say to try and get it across as quickly as we can whether it's through online marketing or when we're selling it to someone when they walk in or even like rolling adverts we have on like a screen at the at, re, at the receptions is that you know we're, we're a fitness service so you're not really paying for the facility you're paying for our expertise uh, these are all the things that we can do for you um and as on top of that you get to use the facility as well right so i think um i think as, as a personal training gym that's that's how we sell it so we kind of bring someone in and we're like right we'll bring you for an assessment we'll run through your goals everything you want to work on uh we'll do we do a functional movement screen with people a fitness test 
So we've got all the information, we look at how they move, we look at their energy levels, we put together a program, they work on that program throughout the month. And then, as I said, whether they're small group training or one-to-one -one, at the end of the month, if they decide they want to carry on with then they renew again and, and they carry on. And so, as I said, that, that's very much our pitch is that we're a fitness service and the more you use us, the more you utilize our expertise, the better value you get for it. Definitely, yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. And it's um, definitely important to market, you know, the difference between something like this where you get that one-on-one -on -one attention and accountability and how it's different than going into a big box gym where you're just, presented with equipment and no guidance so yeah i think that's definitely important to to market yourself to show that you're different um so how many members do you have between the two locations that you have uh I th between the two we probably have around it's a difficult one to put a number on because we probably sit around sit at around 80 members i reckon approximately with each gym but then they are members so our members are like they they have to they do the small group training so they kind of share the personal they have to book in a slot the same way you would do it a one-to-one, -one, but they share, we have an, a personal trainer that's working and then they'll work with say three or four members at the same time. So everyone's got an individual program. Um, it's more like a shared trainer concept, if that makes sense. Um, so we probably have, uh, I'd say floating around 80 members between, in, in, in each of the gyms. And then we have probably as many, if not more of that, having one-to-one -one sessions as well. Okay, sweet. So the one-to-one -one members are separate than the people paying the members yeah, exactly. So if someone's going to have one-to-one, -one, what happens is they said, right, we'll do one-to-one -one training. So we allocate them the trainer and then they just work with that PT. So they'll book in as many or a few sessions as they as they want and they'll pay in that regard. Um, the the small group training or the semi-private training, which way you want to um, look at it, is done as like a monthly membership, as it were. Um, but then they kind of get an unlimited number of sessions within that within that monthly uh, amount. So what they're, what they're gaining is more sessions for their money, but what they're sacrificing is they don't have the one-to-one -one element. Gotcha, yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so tell me, is that somewhere like you're comfortable staying for the two locations? Or are you looking to grow your member base um, at both of them? Yeah, I think it's a funny one. Um, membership membership base, in my head, I always kind of like with, with, with both gyms always felt like I'd like to get to a point where I have a waiting list, right? Um, in the way that like restaurants do and things like that. Yeah. But I think it's a tricky one because it's it's hard to sometimes gauge what that number is. Because if you kind of say, okay, well, I'm not going to go beyond 100 members, right? And then past 100, I'll you know, then be guest list. But then if if you have 100 members, but like not many that, you know, they're not turning up with huge amount of frequency, but they are paying, but then you can think, well, I can, I can squeeze that, right? We'll put more people in. Um, or I could have 70 members and they're all turning up all the time, in which case the, the build, there's just the capacity to building uh, won't take many more. So then I'm nowhere near 100, but I've got a relatively full building, right? So um, I think it's quite hard to kind of put a number on, on where I would want membership numbers to be. Um, so I think rather than, I kind of always think rather than looking to like expand members, um, I kind of look at my gyms as, as, as kind of like a big version of an individual PT. So as an individual PT, what I, and I can speak for myself here as, as having done it for a long time, like what I was, what worked for me, what kind of got me going and, and got me set up was not my ability to market myself necessarily and get footfall and flip people, which is kind of like the commercial gym ethos. 
it was how, how can I hold on to people? Right. You know, where do I get this core group of, of, of people that will essentially pay my mortgage for me? And then, you know, and then, you know, in the summer months or in the run up to summer, you know, you're going to have the kind of fringe clients will roll in and they'll come in and that'll boost your numbers. And, and when they kind of disappear off into when summer comes along, you've always still got your core. And that's really what I try and do with the gym. So, so rather than expanding, I always kind of say, right, the core members I've got, these people I've got, we've really got to look after them and not think about footfall as such and then just and just add those, add to those numbers through marketing you know as and when we feel like the membership numbers need a bit of a boost yeah definitely I think that's so important it's easier to like keep a member that you have rather than to go out and find you know 10 yeah. members to replace members that are constantly falling off um tell me how do you market what's your strategy to get um people in the gym to get to those numbers that you have now what's been the yeah, so i think one of the things that's really is, is the building itself so i've always put gyms on like high streets um so we've always got i've always got plenty of footfall um the, the the challenge with it is generally those units are more expensive than if you were going to have one in like a, a, a like industrial estate or a trading estate um which are normally set back uh, and are a bit out of town i've always tried to put mine in town and it's a little bit of a gamble in as much as that you know, you're kind of saying well i'm going to pay out more per month for the unit but i'm also thinking that i'm going to get a lot more people just walk past and you're going to get a lot more passing trade so that's the first thing and then just making sure that you know the gym looks smart itself and people are looking in it, it looks inviting because obviously gyms can be quite intimidating um and then beyond the actual, the, the units themselves and their locations, we then do a lot of online marketing. So, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Google AdWord campaigns and, and just the kind of usual, um, you know, normal things that, that, that the most businesses do. Um, and then beyond that, of course, you're always looking for referrals. So the ideal way is, is, is with recommendations. Definitely. What do you find is the most like consistent form of marketing for you? Do you get more people in from referrals or do you get more leads from the digital marketing that you do? Really good question. Um, I would say we really notice the, the a lot of leads. So we get, we get a lot of stuff from referral. Um, but I think you'd, you, you know, you'd expect, I think if, if, if you weren't delivering, if you weren't getting referrals, you're obviously not delivering a good enough service. And as personal training gyms, it's all about service. So I don't think the businesses will be in existence if we weren't getting that right. So I think as a consequence of that, we do get a decent amount of referrals. But I think we really notice, you know, when we when when we invest a bit more money, say in into like AdWord campaigns, just as an example, or you know, a bit more into um, the digital marketing, we really notice a big uptick in people contacting us and 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 whatnot. So I think. And I remember when I first kind of started, even when I first started the gyms, but certainly when I first started as a PT, you know, you was, it was still things like doing flyer drops and things like that, which were what you did, because obviously the internet wasn't in its infancy, but it isn't what it is now. And social media didn't exist when I first started the business, or barely, and Facebook was like two years old or whatever. So, um, and it's funny, I, I did a flyer, I organised for a flyer drop for one of my gyms um, earlier this year. And, um, and, and it was like, a, like, I think it was like 5,000 flyers or something and, and didn't get any response from it, which I was really, really saying, I kind of did it as a test just to see, like, I wonder if this is still a thing, you know, the, um, and didn't really get any sort of response from it. So I found that really interesting. Um, so definitely the digital marketing, when we stick a bit more money into it, we boost 
you know, our, uh, the, the budget for, for a couple of months, really notice a, an uptick in, um, in uh, responses. Definitely, yeah, I think that's the benefit of, of digital marketing is it's kind of more in, in your control. Like when you hope that your clients are talking about you or using your referral programs, it's kind of in their hands versus, you know, if you're putting out an ad campaign, it's more in your hands, how many people you're gonna get to come, come into Definitely. the gym. Yeah. Um, so tell me about like once someone's interested in the gym, they've contacted you in some way, whether it's from a lead or they come, came in from a referral. What's the process then to turn them from just a lead into a client? Yeah. So, um, so I think when, so is, is this, if um, someone comes into the gym or if they're like say emailing us, what, what, what's this? Um, let's do like digital marketing first. So let's say someone saw uh, an ad for you on Google or Facebook or Instagram and they contacted you like online or through a phone call. What's the next step for that person to turn them into a client? Yeah. So, I mean, I think what, what I like to do, um, and I by no means consider myself any sort of marketing whiz, um, but I, I really try and, so, you know, I'll answer their initial questions, um, but I'll then try to really try and get into a conversation with them. So rather than just kind of answer their questions and be like, okay, so, you know, if you want to book in with me, let me know when you're free. I try to like, I, I, I'll, I'll go through what they've asked in the initial um, approach, but then I'll start asking, you know, almost getting into like um, an assessment consultation in the chat. Um, so really try and put them at, at, at ease as quickly as I can. Um, and then from that point, just, just, I said, really, really get them engaged and get them thinking about, you know, what we're going to be doing when they're training with me, you know, what sort of thing, that, um, you know, what their kind of, again, short-term, long-term goals are, rather than it just allowing it to be a kind of a generic, oh, hi, yeah, look, I, I need to lose weight, I need to get fit, blah, 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 you know, let me know when you're available. I try to expand it from beyond that and have an actual real-life conversation with them. Um, and instead, I also think of being sort of really kind of stating with them how they're going to work with how I train with my club with clients, like what 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 they'll not so much get from training me, but what almost my expectations are of someone who starts training with me. Right. Um, and I think that that really really works well to just 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 kind of get them engaged as quickly as you can from the um, from the initial um, from the, uh, the the initial reach out, as it were. Yeah, do you do all the selling or do you have a team that you also, you know, go to for closing people, training yeah, them? No, so, so I, I pretty much do all the selling. Um, I've got um, a, 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 a good friend of mine who's been involved in the business for a few years who's a lot more tech savvy than I am. So he kind of oversees the... Um, uh, the uh, you know, the, the AdWord campaigns and, and uh, does a lot of the kind of digital stuff um in on from the tech side but yeah i i still um even now pretty much deal with all the online obviously my team deal with the walk-ins because they're in the gym and i'm not always always uh, i can't be everywhere at once but um but yeah if it comes in online um I'll, I'll be the one who deals with it awesome um what would you say is like the biggest challenge that you have or that you face now or what you struggle with the most as far as um getting leads in selling them, turning them into clients, and then keeping them long-term? What do you think is like the hardest or the thing you find the most challenging? Oh, that's a good question. Getting leads in. I don't, I, I'm, getting leads in is, isn't that challenging. I said, I think if you invest in your marketing um, and 
you know, and 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 make sure your marketing looks professional and, and you're really trying to get your message across, then I think it's quite it's relatively easy to generate leads. Um, it's obviously a very competitive market now, the, the personal training one and, and 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 gyms. So I think on that in that sense as well, like to have a kind of a unique selling point is certainly very important so which i think where we and, and and with my gyms where we kind of have this fusion of, of small group training and one-to-one training that's quite a unique selling point our locations are as well because like i said there's not too many gyms that are on high streets because of the expense of it so that's also um, a good draw um i think once you bring the uh, a, a client in um i think one of the biggest challenges is Try, and this this has been the same even when I from early my early days as a PT is trying to get that person you know uh, like buying into exercise and training and and we have a thing here where we kind of say to someone look you know if you've when you've come in you've come in because I don't know let's say um, you've seen a photo of yourself uh, at a party and you were like really upset with how much weight might have put on or, or or how you looked and came home upset first thing he did was jump onto google bring up personal training gym reach out to a pt and now you're like oh you know you know i need to sort myself out you need to, can you help me um and what we're trying to say is look like you know all those things are kind of like a catalyst for you coming in which is great but but you now need to kind of leave that at the door and start to like just Think of yourself as someone who exercises. You're someone who trains, yeah? You're not someone who's here because there's a big sob story behind you and there's lots of negativity and you've come in off the back of a lot of negativity. We want to leave that now. And you want to just continue to think about yourself as someone who trains. You're someone who trains three times a week, four times a week. No matter what happens, you make time to exercise, you know, and the nutritional side of things as well. You know, it would just try and really encourage people to kind of grasp that and really like take that on board as quickly as they can. I think when when it doesn't work out with clients or, or members, it's when they don't we could not quite capture them and they're still kind of looking at exercises, this kind of existential thing that happens to them rather than you know a lifestyle change or something that they're gonna it's gonna will be well part of their life for the rest of their lives, right? As opposed to a punishment for being overweight um or unfit. So I think that's the biggest challenge we have in terms of conversion is, is trying to just get people into that mindset as quickly as we can. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of it is psychological. And I think part of it is our job as, you know, the face of the gym to sell them on a result and sell them on, you know, how their life is going to be different if they take their physical exercise seriously. Um, so I think a lot of it comes down to psychologically, like how can we get people to buy into the results and the process and not just a gym membership yeah, probably 90 percent of it is psychological yeah. you know um as, as as fitness professionals you know exercise is is actually easy especially when you start to enjoy it or you start to yeah. look forward to it then it's really really easy but it's 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 getting people's head around the fact that like i said you know exercise shouldn't be seen as a punishment for something or like a chore but just but it should be something that is becomes that is natural to you as part of being like a human being right yeah, I totally agree there. Um, what would be your biggest piece of advice to someone who wants to open a gym? Like if you could tell yourself something seven, eight years ago before you started, what would you tell yourself? You know, oh God, that's a really good question. 
probably a few things. Uh, I think, uh, do you know what? It's a funny one. Without trying to sound like too negative, and it's not negative about Sarsi Gym, like Sony Gym has been great. And, um, and, you know, the fitness industry is such a cool industry to be, in, you know, um, and, but, but I remember when I, when I opened my first gym and I had a client who was like an accountant and he had his own like accountancy firm, right? And, and I told him I was opening a gym and he'd been a client of mine for, for a few years and, you know, sort of client got really, got really well with him. And he basically said to me, he said, oh, Carl, you know, it's great that you, you're expanding beyond just yourself and you're taking a, uh, you know, you're taking a unit and you start the gym and you've got a few people around you, you're doing brilliantly and you're great, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know what, Carl, he said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you something now that, that, and bear in mind, I had this conversation probably 13 years ago, right? He was, I'm going to tell you something now that, that, that you'll always, will always be a problem for you and it's an unsolvable one and he and it doesn't he said it doesn't matter how big you get or how small your business is you always have this problem you'll never solve it and he said it's that you can't clone yourself yes. right and and i think that's really really true and really worth thinking about because i think a lot of times through um business i've found that i've one second yep i've found that i've um I've had like, like, yeah, man. I've had like lots and lots of good people around me, and but there's, but PTs and they're human beings, and they'll let you down. And I think what happens is, is when you have the business, the business becomes because you start it, kind of becomes your baby, right? It's something that's like definitely a part of you. And and you know, I've had my business now for through the recession with 12 years ago and now obviously through lockdowns. And and so it's been like it's been with me for some big deals, right? And so when people within that business let you let let it down, you start to take it really personally. And I think I probably use a lot of energy in in being um, probably waste a lot of energy in being almost like taking it personally when things when people let you down, let me down. And I think if I could go back and be, I'm way more chill about it now because I've just been doing it for so long and have more of a, of a, of a realization that, you know, we're all fallible, right? So I think if I could go back there and be like, look, you know, you know, be way more relaxed about, about the people that operate within your business and, and probably manage them differently. Um, I think that would be, that that would be something I would probably advise myself. Don't take things so personally. Yeah, you're not the first person that said that either. And I think that's a big um, entrepreneurial thing is like, we know exactly how we want it. It's our baby. It's what we think about all day. Um, and it's, it's hard to trust anyone else with that vision. Cause you know, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. <laughs> like that, yeah. that whole mindset of you know, no one can do it better than me. That's why, why upscaling of a, a business, like from a small enterprise to like a medium or a small to medium enterprise to a large enterprise, I think that's why it's really, really tough. And, uh, you know, when we spoke beforehand about, you know, I mentioned that I'd had four gyms at one point. And I think that was what I, I struggled with when it came down to two is because you kind of think one's okay. So you quickly go to expand another and that one looks set. So I expand to another. And then all of a sudden the first one is starting to wobble because I'm not there. And, and I think that is the, the one of the, and yeah, a lot of businesses can end up going under because they try to upscale too quickly. 
And I think that is that is it. I think it's really about making sure you've got a good team around you. You know, if you're going to say, well, I'm going to take a gym, so I'm going to have be providing a service and I've got to have a staff. It's making sure that you have a good team with you. And certainly, again, if you're thinking of taking the next step to like expand, making sure that I can leave this facility in the hands of these people and confidently move on to the next one. Um, and it, it is a real challenge. And as I said, I think that's why, you know, it's, 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 it's a reason why a lot of businesses can go under by trying to upscale too quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it comes down to building a good team. Like if something happens to you and you're sick for two weeks, like is everything going to be fine or are you going to lose five clients? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And yeah, to, you know, yeah. building a replicatable system that even if you step back from one, it's still okay. And you can trust that it's going to run itself. Um, and I think that's, that's what a lot and of gym yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think that there's not a huge amount, I'm not so sure about in, in the States, but in the UK, there's hardly any personal, if any, personal training gyms that are chains. Mm. Um, you know, probably when I was up to the kind of four gyms, I can't imagine there was any more, there's any PT gyms probably in the country that, 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 that have got to more than four. I, I can't think of any. Whereas, you know, if you think of like what well, we have, like uh, we've got um, gyms that are very like base level. So no staff, no service, you know, it's a swipe card when you come in. So there's not even a reception. They, they no contract. It's like 20 pound a month. Mm -hmm. And those gyms have expanded hugely because it's quite easy. You get a formula that works, but it's purely based on no service and facility. And that seems to work. Well, then that's easy to expand. You just keep opening them. But, you know, for us, with, with, with so my gyms and, and, and my setup specifically, you know, where we're a personal training gym, it's all about service. It's not really not about the facility in that sense. So it, that's the thing that's really hard to replicate. It's really hard to replicate good service. Um, whereas I said, like with, with gyms that are just offering a facility, that's an easy, if, if, if you've got a model there that works, that's a really easy one to replicate. And that's why here in the UK, there's been like lots of those kind of gyms that have just been opening up. Yeah, here too, I feel like there's a ton of like replicatable like group fitness classes, you know, like a cycling place, you do a cycling class and it's the same across the country. Same thing with like, you know, like you mentioned a big box swipe your membership card gym. Doesn't really matter who's working or if anyone's working at all. It's just a big area with equipment. So it's yeah. easy to fail. So yeah, I definitely see it's uh it's more challenging with one-on-one -on -one because it does come down to the relationships that the clients are building with the trainers. So it comes down to finding good staff. Um, what's your experience been with uh, finding coaches and trainers and what um how much do you train them yourself? Is that something that you're you're passionate about? Is training trainers or yeah. That's you yeah, yeah, that's that's a really really good question. So I found that when I when I in the early stages of business, so let's say like ten years ago, um, it was actually quite easy to um, pick up new PTs that were good quality, uh, and mostly because um, and it's quite without trying to disappear down a, too, a, like a rabbit hole too much, but like there, was, there wasn't loads and loads of course providers then. There was smaller course providers. So the courses themselves were quite expensive and they, they were really good quality. So every PT that came out through a PT course generally had a decent level of, um, of understanding of the job. But then, um, but then also the, the chain gyms were really dominant in those times. And they, they were also not chain, the health clubs rather were really dominant. Health clubs suffered a lot in the UK through the, through the uh, recession, through the banking crisis. Sorry. So they kind of went to the wall a little bit, but they were the dominant force in the fitness industry. And as a PT, 
you had to be a good PT to work in them. Like if you weren't a good PT, you'd be found out. So what happened with me was when I started the gyms, I would essentially look at those kind of changings, put feelers out there that I had my own setup and it was a PT gym running run by a PT. Um, obviously would charge them much more reasonable rent and they were being hit with being a commercial gym. And then every time I would get a PT that would come across to me, they were always good quality because from you know, the qualification they did and the and where they'd come from, that was a minimum requirement, right? Whereas, and then over the course of the next few years, there was like, there's now like hundreds and hundreds of course providers. The courses are like super cheap. They're done over like, over like three weekends, right? And you can even get them subsidized by the government. So you haven't got to pay for them now if you don't want to. And so as a result, you know, and then what happens is it all, it happens at the same time as the blow up of budget gyms. So they then basically create this kind of conveyor belt where people were doing cheap courses really quick, going into like, you know, chain gyms that were like look quite budget gyms. And the quality of personal training really, really, really dropped. Um, so what you have was loads and loads and loads of PTs running around all of a sudden with like not really any, not any real quality. And some of them, you know, not even an ability to kind of converse or talk to 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 to, to someone, you know, let alone show them like how to do like hip hinges and, and whatnot. So, so basically, what I found was at the beginning of of, the, of having a business, it was really easy to pick up quality PTs, and now it's actually really difficult. Um, and so I have, whereas before I didn't really have to train PTs when I got involved. Now I find myself that we are. So myself and and a couple of my PTs who work for me who are really really good experienced PTs we'll we'll do an interview process and if we like the personality and 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 normally when we when we do an interview we'll um whether it's a PT coming in for a job or whether they want to join us as a one-to-one -one PT we'll still go through a bit of an interview process with them and then we'll get them to demonstrate just like some of the core lifts you know like a kettlebell deadlift um like a squat a hip hinge and and just be sure that they know those basics and then beyond that we can kind of like we can work with them but you know what we don't want to do is have someone come in and, and we've had this happen we'll interview them we'll ask we'll ask them to show us okay you do kettlebell deadlift for us and then they, they you know shoulders around by their ears and you think man you've you've just come out from you know backs all bent you've just come out from a pre-t course how are you how are you hip hinging like that deadlifting like that right so so what we like is we like pts coming and know the basics and then we can we then work with them and train them up beyond that but like i said what's interesting is 10 years ago i probably wouldn't have had to have done that because the, the the course providers would have been good and and the gyms they would have probably come out for would have would have made sure that 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 was already the case definitely i totally agree it's like that here too i went to school and have a degree in kinesiology but whenever i was applying for exercise like personal training jobs no one cared that i had a degree in kinesiology they all wanted me to have like a three-week course and like they wouldn't hire me without the course over my my degree my four-year degree so definitely like a problem with the industry um that hopefully will change going forward yeah but. yeah i mean it's, obviously it's, it's unregulated which is which is a lot of the problem um so because there's no regulation in it uh you know it's ended up being a little bit like the wild west in terms of like course providers and PTs, and it's just, it's, just, it's just courses everywhere now and there's PTs everywhere and it's just so easy to become a PT. Um, in a weird way, I don't think that, that hasn't really harmed the business that much because I think what, what, what was a worry at one point is that people might be like, had a bad experience with a personal trainer and be like, 
oh, well, that's what all PT, that's what personal training is like. Well, I'm not going to bother with that anymore. But actually, I think we, we benefit a lot from sometimes when people who come into us and be like, oh, yeah, I had PT. Thanks to personal training at such a gym and it was awful and it's, you know, had a really bad experience. But I was keen to kind of carry it on. So I don't think as a as a business it's hurt us, but I think as an industry, it's probably, it's, it's, it's pretty damaging. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Um, but that's good that people are still willing to, to give you a shot and not all PTs are the same. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we start to wrap things up, tell us where can we find you? What's your social media? What's your website for Target Fit? All that good stuff. Yeah, cool. So uh, the, the gyms themselves were based in just outside of London. Um, and uh, the website is www.targetfit.co.uk. Um, you can check us out on Instagram. We've got a cool Instagram as well, which is literally just put Target Fit into your Instagram. You'll find us. Um, well, actually, we know we're Target Fit Gyms, to be fair. So Target Fit Gyms. And you can find out some more info about what we do. Um, but yeah, we're, we're a cool bunch here. We're all very experienced PTs. We're very, we, we, we love the industry. Um, we love working with people. And, um, and, uh, uh, and yeah, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carl, for your time today. I super appreciate your contribution to the podcast. I learned a lot, so I know our listeners have too. Um, so thank you again for being part of the podcast. No, that's wicked. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description and we'll be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show, our guest today is Mr. Chris Wilkins of Central Fitness, coming to you from Camdenton, Missouri. Chris, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm loving life, man, every day. Every day. Loving life. I love starting these interviews with that kind of optimism, so I appreciate you. Got to. What's the point of living if you ain't loving it, man? If we're not loving it, there you go. Chris, I'm excited to dive into this. I had the chance to ask Chris a little bit about his business and how this gym functions before we got into things. But for the people who aren't familiar with Central Fitness, Chris, give us a little bit of context and the description of this thing before we dive into the business side. Central Fitness, what is this? Um, so it's very small. It's a hometown gym. Our gym is only about 4,000 square feet. Um, I do have about 880 members currently. Um, and my gym's quite, I think it's a little different than most gyms. Um, I'm very, I'm a very involved gym owner. 
Um, there's been things I've seen in fitness that I don't like. And I decided throughout these past years, I've been growing in, in fitness and learning. I've been seeing things that I want to change. And I'm like, well, how can I do that? And I've always wanted a gym. The opportunity arose, I took over, and now I'm trying to implement my plans um, to kind of change the idea of what health and fitness is. Um, everybody, you know, the Instagram, the social media, I'm not an internet guy. Um, growing up, you know, I grew up without electricity, like um, electronics and stuff. Mm-hmm. You didn't have TVs, monitors in the house, no electronics. We had the woods to play in. Um, so I'm not too much on the technological side, but I'm trying to bring back community and bring back like, um, like, hey, I actually care about you. I just want to take your money. Like, I'm really am here to help you. And for my members, um, I don't have any kind of like online signups. I require every member to call me, make an appointment with me, schedule a time for them to come in because I want to have at least 15, 20 minute conversation with the person I'm signing up in my gym to see what kind of person they are, understand what their goals are, and let them understand that, hey, I'm here for you. And I tell every new member that I sign up, if you need any help with anything, I make myself available to my members whenever they can. Whenever they need help with, with, with uh, nutrition, with their fitness goals, with working out exercises, um, I don't want to just always have to charge something to give them something. Because they're, they're, they're a member of my gym. And my gym is offering other services. I'm offering myself to them. Yeah, fitness is is somewhat of a unique venture because of those noble intentions, right? Rare is it that somebody comes into the fitness industry just looking to to siphon every dollar and cent. Usually there's some level of at the heart at the heart of this thing caring about the people that we serve. And it's somewhat like it it sounds like that's what drew you to it. Yes from the very beginning now as i understand central fitness existed before your tenure and you came over or came into this somewhere along the line tell me a little bit about that ownership transition when did it happen what was your experience with the whole thing um so it was november 19th of 2021 that was the day i I bought the business um the previous owner he had been in the gym business for the past 20 years um he kind of took me under his wing very good guy and um, kind of taught me a few things about the business side because um, I was absolutely clueless on how to run a business. Um, but uh, he, he took that over. It was a very smooth transition. It was really easy at this gym specifically because I've been a member of this gym since 2012. So already was in contact with all the regulars. Everyone, most everyone knew me. Um, besides the morning crowd, I was more of the evening guy. Um, so taking over the gym was actually pretty easy. Um, just moving in because I was... It was basically already my home. Now I'm running it. Yeah. Um, and so this is this is kind of a, a long time coming, but very recent as you as the, the sole person in charge, about a year in, a little more than a year in of your tenure as a business owner. First and foremost, tell me what's been your favorite part about running this business, Chris, and what's been the hardest part for you about running this business? So my favorite part is being involved with my members, like spending the time I've had, you know, I've had a few women come in, you know, very heavy, um, over 400 pounds, you know, very heavy, heavy women. And, you know, no one has ever given the time of day to actually sit down and talk with them without taking the money. And we schedule an appointment. They come in. I sat with that girl for two hours in my office, 
talking with her and explaining to her what she can do to better her life and how I was going to be there to help her. She busted out in tears, was just so happy that someone took the time to talk with her. And I didn't charge her for that. I, I just gave my time. You know, in my opinion, in a lot of businesses nowadays, everything's moving online. And we're losing that one-on-one -on -one with each other and actual caring for that person. And I really want to show, show people um, that, yeah, I, I need money, obviously. And I got, I got kids to take care of. But at the same time, there's so much you can do when you're, when you're in a position like I am where you, you don't always have to charge someone. You know, live a life of servitude. When you live a life of servitude, and you'll be a lot much happier person. That's why I love is every day I walk in here, I see my regulars, I see new people, and I take the time and talk with anyone that needs help. And, you know, people come up to me, I'll be folding towels. They'll just walk up and I've made an environment to where people don't feel uncomfortable to come to me. And they just come to me with, I mean, I, not, not just fitness stuff, just being there for people. To me, that's, that's my best thing about it. Yeah. Now, flip that around for me. What's been the toughest thing so far in your mind? The toughest thing is figuring out the business side and technology. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Learning the computer. I don't think you're I alone in that, that. Yeah. Um, no. I but, think that's even a more common thing than you would expect uh, from the people that I talk to, at least, and, and especially those that come from a training background or a, a background in, in another field. Running a business is one thing. Running a business in the fitness industry is an entire different beast. And it's it's quickly evident once we're in that seat how challenging this can be. I mean, you're still here, so you must be doing something right, Chris. Believe me. <laughs> it's been clearly, clearly things are going for you. Um, but at least so far, explore kind of what's what's worked for you and what hasn't. From simply adding members to this so far, what's been successful or and what has not worked so well um, from like a, a marketing or a lead generation standpoint, how are you getting people through your doors? Um, so to be honest, man, I'm a really old school guy. I know I'm young. I'm only 34, but I was raised very old traditional and I'm still a traditional person. So when it comes to marketing, um, I don't really do a whole lot of marketing. I mean, I, I created a website when I first took over. Um, so that kind of helped. But other than that, I'm going to have a social media and a Facebook page. I don't, I don't really good with the social media stuff. I do a few posts, but my marketing is I have um, every new person that comes in signs up. I give them a t-shirt and in my town, it's a small town. We have about 4,000 people in this town. And so every person, I mean, there are people are wearing them all over the place. And my marketing scheme is, Hey, you be nice to that person and word, word just, you know, word by mouth. Yeah. Uh, in, in a small community, you treat people right, they'll treat you right. I think that's an important aspect here. Uh, that's, what that's works in one market may not necessarily work in another market. So far for you, that has looked like providing a good product and having your members do a little bit of that legwork on the marketing front for you, right? Wearing t-shirts, sharing their experience with their family, with their friends, and it's resulted in people coming to you. Do you think at any point as you gain more experience as a business owner that you'll get into some sort of formalized marketing or, or advertising at some point in the future? Um, I mean, I'm not going to leave that possibility. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it open for the future. Um, but, you know, right now it, it's worth the, the way I'm running it. I have a set of principles I want to maintain and I don't want to, I don't want to lose those principles just to make money. 
Mm. And yep. I'm a very hard-headed individual. And so when it you came to the right industry. And if if the way I run my business off the set of principles I have and the business fails, um in my mind, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, because I, I don't want to have to loosen the reins on my principles so I can make more money. If that has to happen, then it's not going to be the business for me and I'll have to go to a different field. But it works. And we're in a small community. I've involved myself with, you know, all my kids are in sports. Um, I'm very involved with the school. I try to, you know, donate, get involved with the community. So everyone knows who I am. Um, yeah. I can't go anywhere in town without, you know, people saying, hey, Chris, what's up, man? And uh, so that's my marketing scheme. And, you know, if the lake grows, uh, my area grows, I might have to do something different. But right now it works. What about social media, Chris? I think fitness relies so heavily on being able to see and experience and share this thing with other people. Has that come across your radar? Or is that something that you guys use now? Yeah, I have a I have an Instagram account. Um, and then I have a, a Facebook account. Um, what I do with that is... Uh, I mean, every day I have a, I have a whiteboard at the gym. I put a post, put a workout on there Monday through Friday. There's a new workout for anyone that can go off of. And I post that on my Instagram for anyone to use. Um, and then it's just relaying information to my members. That's primarily what I use it for right now. Um, I'm just, I'm not good at getting on Facebook. It's just something I haven't done. You know, I didn't have a cell phone until I was 21 with the military the military made yeah. me get one. Uh, yeah. And then I don't even know what it, really where to go to get a cell phone. So they had to kind of march me down there and show me how to do it. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, a learning curve for sure oh, yeah. in terms of social media and how to actually get the word out about this thing. Take us to the next step here, Chris. Uh, it sounds like the majority of the leads that we're getting somewhat happen organically. And you sort of alluded to the sales process of this so far, but take me through that process if somebody reaches out if i say hey chris i'm interested in joining the gym walk me through what happens before i actually sign up um so generally what happens um well on the market i did tell you i, I created a website last year when i first took over um the website did help because it allows people to message me on the website um they can send me you know I, that's why i generate a lead and they'll send me an email i get it on my phone and then i can send them a message back they usually then they call me um, and we set up an, a schedule an appointment and then they come in, meet me at the gym at the, uh, the scheduled time. And, uh, we come to my office, I sit down with them, just kind of joke, you know, make a few, make a few jokes, some small talk, trying to get their personality. And we have a little chat and I decide if, if they're going to work for my gym or not. Um, you know, I, not every person that comes to my office gets signed up at the gym. Yep. Um, there was a really important statement that you just said there and you said, if they're going to work with my gym, right? It's not, am I a good fit for them? Are they a good fit for us? Just as important as a question here. Yes. And not everybody is a good fit. That's fine. Right. We're not trying to force feed anything through here, but I think that's a, that's a different perspective than what many have in our industry at a time or uh, a thought process of, how high can we climb this membership? How many people can we jam through these doors? You're a little bit more gatekeeper on this thing. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, because I have, you know, most of my members, I have a lot of elderly people that come in the morning. Um, and then I have more women um, as members than I do men. 
And I have a 24-7 facility, so it is open all the time. And I want to make sure that people are coming through. I, I can kind of trust them, you know, and because uh, I'm, I'm really big on, you know, taking care of your elderly people. And I'm really big on respecting them. Um, and I've seen a lot of gyms nowadays. There's not much of that going on, you know, especially with the outfits that are being worn, um, the way people are, you know, presenting themselves on Instagram. And uh, so in my gym, when young girls come in, I have a, I say the same thing to all my girls. I don't want to see any skimpy clothes. I don't want to see booty shorts. If I see things that are revealing like that, I ask, I ask those ladies to leave. If they don't like it, then I'll have to kick you out. Because um, I want to keep my gym respectable. I don't want to see a bunch of girls walking around with their butts hanging out and taking pictures. Yep. And so all of this results in a greater understanding of the, the prospect, figuring out who they are, what they're actually looking for. And then we talk membership options from there. Is that correct? Yes. So hypothetically, Chris, this person signs up. Now we have a new member. Tell me a little bit about what you focus on as the owner of this to make sure that member stays a member long-term. Um, so generally after they, after, after they sign up, then I go through my statement with them and I ask them, you know, what, what their goals are, if they need any help. I always tell them, if you guys need help with anything, I always provide them my number. Um, so <clears throat> the number of my gym gets uh, the landline, it gets forwarded straight to my cell phone. So I never miss a call. And I tell the members, call me anytime. I said, as long as it's not eight o'clock at night or I'm sleeping, I said, I'll answer the phone and I'll, I'll talk with you about anything. I mean, it's not just fitness, but you know, I, I make myself available to every member. Um, I can't keep track. You know, I have 880 members, so I can really only keep track of the people, my regulars that come in and see me every day. Yeah. So 880 members are all 880 using the facility every day? Probably not, but you said that we're, we're focusing in heavily, making ourselves available, pouring into the people that are regularly using this, this facility. Have you considered or, or kicked around the idea of bringing anybody else on to help you? Because for the people listening, you are sole owner and operator of this. Everything flows through you. Has the thought crossed your mind at any point to bring in some other staff to offload some of this? Um, eventually when we grow, um, but right now I just can't afford it, man. I, I have a, you know, I want to keep my gym to where it's uh, affordable for the average person. Um, so my gym prices are fairly low compared to the most in the area. Um, and because of that, I don't really have a lot of money for overhead besides myself. Um, so I'm trying to bring in a few extra services like the, the tanning bed um, is one of the services. I'm going to, I already have the bed. I'm in the process of getting it set up and I have to learn um, some things about tanning before I can make it operational. Um, okay. That's hoping to bring a little extra revenue. And then I'm planning on um I have a, an extra room I plan on turning into a sauna. I want to provide a male and female sauna um, with locker rooms. And once I get the, all that rolling, that's going to bring an extra revenue. Um, and then once once I have that extra revenue, I'll be able to bring on extra staff and uh, yeah. grow from there. Yeah, and so really layering on other services is really, really a successful strategy in this kind of model in the i don't even like to label it as like big box or like commercial gym model but in the open membership model all like successful examples have different things for people to buy depending on 
what their situation desires. Um, so tanning, sauna, these things you believe are, are going to start bringing in revenue. What about even more quote unquote traditional fitness methods, the personal training, the group training, nutrition services, are these things on your mind? Yeah, so um, we're actually in the process of hiring a new trainer right now. Um, she didn't think she was going to be training no more. And then when she moved to the lake, um, she joined the gym and then me and her ended up talking. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I need to make some extra money. And she's really interested in getting back into training. And uh, she has never trained anyone physically. She's only been an online trainer. Um, she let her certification lapse. So she's in the process of getting recertified. Um, and then provide that opportunity for her to come to a gym and start training people. So hopefully beginning of the year, we'll have a personal trainer. And my, my personal goal um, is eventually, once we have that extra revenue, um, to, my wife quit her job. She's going to come in and run the office. Um, and then that would allow me, open me, my time up to provide myself more to my members. And I can start some group training classes, some personal training with people, I do plan on picking, once I'm not having to be in the office, um, I'm gonna start picking one person every three months, do a 12 week program for free. Um, I'll pick a member, you know, I'll put a sign up sheet in my gym, say who wants to be part of this transformation, I'll pick one person every three months. We'll pick that person at random, and then I'll work with that one person for three months and what their goals are, and I'm not gonna charge them. That's just gonna be, you know, something I provide my members. Um, yep. Just let them know that, hey, I, I, I care about you. I'm never going to be a gym owner. Even if when I hire people, this is still going to be my second home. Yeah. It sounds like growth is in the cards for you, Chris. We're looking to, to add on to what we have. Forecast this thing out a handful of years from now, two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. What's your goal for Central Fitness? Where do you see this business in that timeline? In about five years from now, the goal is to eventually buy the building. Um, so I'm in the process of right now trying to save up money so I can get the down payment so I can have the building. And then once I have the building, then I'll start to um, make a few expansions. We have plenty of property here. Um, behind the building, I have a little bit of land. I want to cut down the trees and turn it into an obstacle course for boot camps. Um, and then I have a little area off to the side. It's about 20 yards um, deep and wide by about 40 yards long. I'm going to be turfing that and put in a small storage container for some outside equipment, ropes, sled poles, um, you know, tires, some yoke for yoke walks, just some outside equipment for people to play with when they want to. Um, and then on the other side of my building, I want to expand at least 20 feet out and uh, turn that into just a one big empty room um, for group training sessions. Not a lot of equipment. I kind of want to put a garage door on there. So when I do my group training sessions, we can go in there and have a good time, open the garage door, and, you know, just, just love it. Yep. Is there a, a membership number in mind if you say, hey, if I can get to this many, then I would be satisfied? No, I don't have, I don't have a certain membership goal for the amount of members I have. I mean, obviously, I would like to maintain what I have right now, at least. Um, the building, if I ever got to about 1,000 members, I wouldn't go any more over that for the building reason. Um, unless it got bigger. Um, yeah. But, you know, my main focus, I mean, obviously we need to maintain memberships, but I also want to be able to focus on the members that have. We're not always just worried about getting new members. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think 
so much of what we've talked about today. Um, and there's, there's one kind big of the, goal the new norm. Go ahead. Um, so when it comes to, to fitness and health, I would like to change the guys, the people's perspective and how they perceive that. Because most, when I talk to people, most of them see, they think having a healthy body is, is those pictures I see on Instagram. You know, those really good looking guys or girls, the bodybuilders, the people that are cut up, you know, using lots of drugs to look the way they do. And I want to change the idea for people to understand is I want to make you feel good. And getting ripped in a six pack doesn't mean you're healthy. I mean, you, you can, you can have that bottom, and have that look and you're not healthy. And yep. being healthy is, is well, being morbidly obese, obviously is not healthy, but you don't have to be ripped either. You know, there's, there's a, a lovely in-between area where you can be healthy and athletic, but, and not having to stress so much about what, the way you look. And people are in today's world are so focused on that. And they're so embarrassed maybe to even go to the gym because of the way they look and the way they're going to be judged. And like, Oh, I don't look like that girl. So I'm not going to do that. I'm like, no, my gym, no one, no one's going to get made fun of. Everyone's going to take care of. I'm going to explain to you. I'm like, food is so much more simpler than you think. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars to a nutritionist. Food is so simple. And I explain food very easily to people. And I'm like, if you need a nutritionist, go there and get the help. But really, food is so simple. I don't want to sell you a nutrition program and make it complicated. Yep. It's a, it's a ongoing challenge for those in the industry who genuinely want to help people. I don't think anybody is going to question you and, and your intentions in this industry, Chris, but that's a pretty good place for us to start to wrap our conversation up. In the short bit of time we have left, you mentioned some social media along the way. Where can people that listen to this connect with you? What are those? How do people find you on social media? Um, so uh, Facebook, it's Central Fitness 24. And then on Instagram, my IG is Central uh, Fitness underscore. Actually, I don't know what it, what is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, what is my Instagram account? Um, Central Fitness um, underscore 24 at uh, it's for Instagram. <laughs> there you go. Connect with Chris on those platforms. Chris, this has been awesome, man. I, I really appreciate business owners and their willingness to share an insider look into their business and how things truly function. I'm excited to see how this thing shapes up for you in the future because it sounds like you still have some big plans that are that are yet to come to fruition. But we're a bit shy on time today. But I thank you for your contribution, and I wish you nothing but the best. Hey, thank you, brother, man. You guys have a wonderful day. Enjoy the week, and happy holidays to you. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Ward's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.